it's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I guess my coaches in college, they never described me as a great quarterback as much as they described me as a great leader. And I think that's probably why I got into coaching. I really felt like that might carry over into the coaching field. You, you would never hear them say, hey, he's he was a great quarterback, <laughs> which is okay, but we won a lot of games. And our guest this week is Bill Zwan, head football coach at Division II Westchester University, one of the premier coaches really in the country in Division II, has Westchester always in the national rankings. And uh, Coach, thanks so much for coming in. Glad to be here. In researching this, and you and I have talked umpteen times over the years, I was fascinated. You were one of 11 growing up? (laughs) Yep. Ten brothers and sisters, um, six girls, five boys. Kind of a crazy household <laughs> you you uh, and I'm one of the old, I'm the oldest boy so second oldest my sister's a little, uh, little bit older than me uh, so it very interesting lifestyle growing up you know you think about it a lot of times that hey what if there was only two or three kids and how our lives would be different but all of my brothers and sisters were really close family uh, we all live pretty close we get together a lot uh, for the holidays Everybody kind of keeps an eye on each other. Actually, during this whole time that I've had uh, my setbacks with my knee, everybody's been, you know, so supportive and so helpful. And everybody's visiting me in the hospital and everything. We just really have a tremendously close family. We're really lucky that way. Um, but it's uh, but it definitely was different growing up, for sure. I mean, my, my dad was a teacher, and my mom stayed home with the kids. So we didn't have much money. Uh, I always say I never really knew I was poor until, uh, you know, later in life when I said, yeah, I guess I was poor. But we never looked at it that way. It was a lot of fun uh, having a lot of brothers and sisters and uh, everybody going to different games and doing different things and all that kind of thing. We ate in shifts. That was the way it was. (laughs) (laughs) My dad and my mom and the younger kids ate early. Then the middle school kids ate you know, in the middle, and then the high school kids, we all played sports, so we were always late coming home from high school. We ate when we got home, so it was funny. It was kind of like a little a diner, my my mom basically cooking, you know, three different times of the day. But um, my mom was tremendous. My dad was great. They were uh, two really great people, hardworking people. My dad, I, you know, became a coach because of my dad, and my mom was by far the biggest supporter I've ever had, so wonderful family growing up and but but you know some challenges that you have when you have a big family but uh, a lot of fun now you went to archbishop carroll correct yep, yep. and i was I found a little bit of your high school career <laughs> as a quarterback at Carroll, yeah. and it was interesting. The word that came up the most in like the articles and stuff I read was comeback big games comeback do you <laughs> what do you remember of your high school career playing quarterback at Carroll? I'm going to say the St. James game. That's the that's the big uh, story that we've always told is the comeback game. Uh, you know, we were down a couple of scores late in the game, and we we had a 99 yard drive. We kicked an onside kick, got it, went in and scored, and that won the game. We actually accidentally kicked a second onside kick, and then you know ran the clock out at that point. So it was uh, that's the big game that everybody talks about. St. James was a great team. Back then, and we were kind of we were just you know three years, four years into a program, 
So that that comeback win there, and then we had a comeback win in the championship game against Frankfurt, uh, 15-14. We were down 14 nothing at the half and came back and won the game in the second half. And Again, I think it was the accomplishment of the fact that we had never been there. We had never been in any big game. We only had, I want to say, three or four wins maybe the year before. So we've never had those types of games, playoff games or big games to win a championship or everything. We had a bunch of older guys. We had a bunch of seniors. And everybody kind of came together and, and did it in those couple of games. So great memories for me. I still talk about, you know, with my friends about those games. But I think that's one of the things I try to, you know, instill into my players is when you play in those games, they stay with you forever. Uh, you know, so that's 1971 football season. It's <laughs> a long time ago. But when we see each other, we talk about it. And it still stays with me. So I, I really ho- hope that my guys get those opportunities. And then, you know, that takes, they take that with them when they're, you know, 40 years after they graduate and still talk about that, that great win and that great comeback. Uh, so that's, that's really what I take with me from that. And then Delaware, success at Delaware. Yeah. Uh, national championship. They were Division Two then, right? Yeah. We lost in the national championship game, but we had a great run there. This is 74? 74. We lost Central Michigan, and uh, Central Michigan was just a great team, we, and we didn't play well. I mean, it was, we just kind of let down in that game. But we really played great up until that game. Uh, again, tons of memories. I have great, great friends from Delaware, from all those guys I played with, and we still talk about all those games to this day. I, I thought our senior season, we had a, a loss early in the season that hurt us, and by the end of the season, we were playing really well. They, we didn't get anybody into the playoffs that year. I think if we had gotten to the playoffs that year, I think we would have made a really great run. But uh, the great part about Delaware was what a winning tradition it had when we got there. I always talk at clinics about the fact that my first practice, so we had a freshman team. So really the spring ball of my freshman year was our first practice with, as, with the varsity. And after the first practice, Tubby Raymond brought us together and, and I – Remember him saying these words. He said, I believe you guys have a chance to win a national championship. And I thought to myself, man, that's the way they talk around here. They talk about national championships. And I loved that. I loved the fact that that's the way Delaware thought. And so, again, that's one of my coaching things is I want our kids to always think, hey, we have a chance to win a championship. Every team, every year, I want them talking championships all the time. And that was one of the things that I really took away from the University of Delaware was its tradition was so great that we we had lofty goals every year. Um, you know, and that was 1972. So that's years and years and years ago, and I still remember Tubby saying those words. So the kind of stuff like that that sticks with you in your coaching career. How would you scout yourself as a quarterback? <laughs> so I didn't have a great throwing arm, <laughs> I kind of I could run a little bit back then. I can't now, but I could then. So I was a little more of a scrambler. And really with Delaware's passing game, they we really didn't have much of a passing game. We were a wing team run team and you know, we kind of mixed the passing game in. So scouting myself as a quarterback was one I threw on uh first downs. I threw on downs that weren't passing downs. We still do that to this day. I just feel like that was that was where you could have the most success, especially in a run oriented the second thing it was, I would ca- cover Bill Cubic because that was my receiver, and I think he had fifty something catches that year, which was 
maybe 30 more catches than anybody else on the team. So I would have double covered him for sure. <laughs> and then uh, the last thing would be don't don't spend too much time, you know, past 30 yards down the field because I didn't have a great arm. So if I was throwing over 30 yards down the field, it was uh, that was going to be a surprise. But again, because of the running game, I had some success throwing the football. Uh, I guess my coaches in college would describe me as a leader, which is why I was the starting quarterback. They they never described me as a great quarterback as much as they described me as a great leader. And I think that's probably why I got into coaching. I really felt like uh, I had those leadership qualities and thought that that might carry over into the coaching field, and and it did. But um, you, you would never hear them say, hey, he's – he was a great quarterback, <laughs> which is okay, but we won a lot of games. You mentioned your dad, one of the reasons you got into coaching, and you talk about coaching, talk about being a leader, at quarterback. Do you ever put the thread back to being in a family of 11 kids as far as leadership, as, as that's maybe where those seeds kind of start, just uh, you know, being with a group that big your entire well, young life? I think so, and I mean, you know, being the old, one of the older uh, kids, for sure, I think that, that had a piece to it. Yeah, you know, the whole thing with my dad. So my dad coached baseball, um, and he coached a West Catholic team that uh, played at uh, Connie Mack Stadium for a championship. Uh, so they were a really good baseball team, and he it was a lot of fun. I was, you know, bat boy and then just hung around and watching the games and everything. But the biggest thing is, so my dad died early in life. He was 47 when he passed away. And at his funeral, so many guys that, that had played for him not only came to the funeral, but wanted to be pallbearers. Um, you could just see the influence he had on them, you know. And that had a huge influence on me. I was standing there in line looking at all these guys saying, wow, what an impact he had as a coach. And uh, so that kind of, you know, I said, you know, I would like, you know, at the end of my career to feel like I had an impact on kids too. So that kind of is what kind of steered me into coaching. And you start at Cincinnati? <laughs> Started Monsignor Bonner. Okay, okay. All right, so uh, at Bonner, Vince Knoll was head coach there, and he it was a great experience for me because he gave me the offense, said, good, well, I want to run the wing tee. You implement it. You do it all. And so basically I coached every position, which really helped me down the line because it really made me learn how the guards pulled and what all the assignments were up front, which I sort of had an idea, but it made me implement all that. It made me pull it all together, which I, there's no question it made me a much better coach doing that. So I did that for three years, and then um, then I got a chance out at the University of Cincinnati. With It was not a great situation. They were, we, were, we were in the last year of uh, Ralph Staub was the head coach, and he was a great guy, but um, they didn't win. And uh, so we lost the first nine games that season, won the last two, but we, we were already fired by the time – the season ended. So then I then I went to the Merchant Marine Academy, and that was a great experience for me. Uh, I worked with some good people there. Kevin Coyle was a defensive coordinator, and Kevin's been in the pros for a long time. John Campo, who's my brother-in-law, has been head baseball coach at Gettysburg, was on the staff. And we were on the, I was on the defensive side to start. So I coached defensive ends, had not, no idea how to coach the defensive ends, none at all. But again, that's one of the things about coaching. When you coach a different position – you got to go find it out, you know, find out how to teach it, find out technique, and learn how to stop offenses. So when I was on the defensive side of the ball, it really had helped me on the offensive side eventually. Then I moved over and was the offensive coordinator, and we set tons of records. 
uh, for yardage, which was kind of neat. We got better each year. And then, uh, then when I left there, I got out of coaching for a little while um, as I started to raise a family. And then uh, Bill Cubitt got me back into coaching when uh, we went down to Florida Coaching high school down there, Martin County High School. It was funny. Bill brought me down and my family. We moved down there in August. We, I was a defensive coordinator there, and we had a great season. And then Bill got a job at the University of Florida in December. So basically the only people I knew in the state of Florida was Bill and his family. <laughs> he leaves and goes to the University of Florida, and they gave me the head coaching job, which was great. I mean, I was only there for a couple months, uh, so they could have done anything. But they gave me a head coaching job. We ended up having some good seasons there. And then Bill got the job at Widener. I came back up at Widener, and then I've been up here ever, ever since. Before we talk about Widener and then into Westchester, you mentioned you got out of coaching. Did I read correctly? You worked at the Spectrum? Yeah. yeah. What did you do? I was the merchandise general manager. So all what we did, I was in charge of everything that sold inside the Spectrum. So all the flyers gear, all the Sixer gear, and then all the concerts. Um, anything that came in, you know, we sold all their items. It, that was really a great experience <clears throat> in a lot of ways. One, I was the manager of a bunch of different people, completely different than being a coach. They were older. They had their own style. And they had to kind of get used to me. So, you know, again, it's all personnel decisions and how you handle personnel, which is what coaching is all about. So there was a lot of that involved. And it was – but it was new. It was different. Uh, but a lot of fun. It was uh, – I saw all kinds of concerts, you know, Grateful Dead stories. Uh, <laughs> Phil Collins, which was the biggest uh, number we did from uh, uh, merchandise sales. And then, of course, all the Flyers and Sixers fans and Flyers and Sixers games and uh, Dr. J and Barkley and uh, the one Flyer game against Edmonton when Hextall won the uh, Vesna Trophy that year. To tie the tie the series at three to three in our in our building was the was craziest noise level. JJ Daniel, JJ if I remember Daniel, correctly, absolutely, and it was unbelievable. So I saw some great games and and some great concerts and everything, stuff that that you know I never would have been involved in if I just stayed in coaching. So that that was a lot of fun. It was pretty neat, but I had missed the coaching and I really felt like that was where I belonged. So Bill was down in Florida at the time, Bill Cubitt, who was one of my better friends. And Bill came up, uh, he was come up at Christmas time and always went to a Sixers game. So he'd always stop in and see me and say, hey, what do you think about coming down? And then finally, after a couple of years of him asking me, we went down and, and looked at it and decided, hey, let's, let's get back into coaching. Let's do it this way. So. so Widener, your coach and AD, correct? Yeah, well, when I first got to Widener, I was a defensive coordinator. Bill was the head coach. Uh, and I was also the uh, baseball coach, head baseball coach. And Bill became the AD. And then after f- six years uh, as the assistant, Bill left and went to Western Michigan. And then they offered me the AD and head football coaching position. So then I was five years there as the head football coach and AD. Oh, let me, I'm getting that backwards. Five years as assistant, six as the head coach. So 11 years there. Widener was a great place. They treated me tremendously. I really uh, loved coaching at Widener, and um, the people there were just wonderful. Yeah, I can't I have no negatives at all about Widener. It was uh, we made it a positive place while we were there, and um, everybody treated me great. So it was hard to leave. Um, 
had a ton of success too. Yeah, we had a bunch of success. We did. We had a lot of great kids. And, um, you know, Westchester was kind of one of those jobs where I didn't have to move. And it was a step up. Um, so you're always, you know, in your career, you're always looking to step up. Uh, there's, you know, there's always, there's negatives everywhere. You know, there was a ton of positives at Widener, but the recruiting was always all year round. And some of that stuff wore me down a little bit. And I was, you know, not going to have to be the AD when I got to Westchester, which was good and bad. It's nice being your own boss, but at the same time, I didn't have all those other headaches. So I wanted to take that next step. The one thing that you always think, I think everybody does this, is you're, you're doing well at the Division three level. And you say, okay, does this, you know, philosophy resonate at the next level? And you really want to try it. You know, can I, can I do what I'm doing here, take it to Division Two, and do the same things the same way, and will it be successful? So you're, it's always sticking in your head that way. So when the opportunity came, it was a hard decision. I mean, my wife and I, we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But um, finally decided to go to Westchester, and it's been great. Westchester has been a great experience for us. You know, I always thought I was going to take that next step somewhere along the line, but, um, you know, that it never came along. So, um, and I'm, I'm glad to be at Westchester for as long as I've been. And it was nice to find out that, you know, we took all those things that you do at Division Three. Like everybody always talks about, hey, when you go up to a higher level, it's hard to be, you know, as personable with the kids and really treat them um, – you know, the same way that you would at Division Three, But we were able to do that at Division Two. We really care about the kids. We spend a lot of time with them off the field. And we've had positive results with all that. So we were able to take that same philosophy and take it to the next level and win. And that was, uh, that was something I really wanted to find out. And it's nice that it worked. When along your coaching career did you realize internally, I'm pretty good at this, um, uh, you know, I, I've I've got whatever that it is. I've got it. Well, I'll tell you, when I was at Bonner, when I first got into it, I knew I could tell the kids looked at me a certain way. You know, they respected me. They said, "Okay, he this guy knows what he's talking about." So let's listen to him. And I could feel that right away. So that that piece, I felt. Came, came right across to me right early in my coaching career. But when I first became a head coach, so when Bill Cubitt left Florida and I became the head coach at Martin County High School, we were 5-5. Five and five. And we started out the season, I think, maybe 2-4. Uh, and four, And we had just come off of the you know Final Four run in the state playoffs. So there was some questions by everybody, <laughs> including me. And... But I, I knew we, we just, you know, it was a rebuilding year and we, we had to kind of fight our way through it. And there were issues that I had to deal with as a first-time head coach. But then that next year we made a nice run. And so I thought, okay, I'm okay this is okay now. And then actually when I got to Widener, when Bill left, my first year, I think we might have been six and four. So I had to make some changes. I knew I didn't like the way the six and four, I didn't like the way that year went. So we made some changes and then we jumped back up and became a pretty good team. So each each time that it you know you it changed, you know, I had to redo it. And so you question, you say, okay, hey, is everybody gonna listen to me? Are they gonna actually, you know, do what I ask them to do and make it happen? Um, but it all worked out. So so right away I knew I I could get the kids respect. 
But then, you know, making kids, you know, play hard at the end of games, listen, win the game when it's on the line, making the right call when it's on the line, all of those things came a little bit later. But um, probably in the middle of one of the Widener years is when I really felt like, okay, I, I think I have control of this now. And it's interesting. You look at your resume. You know, we talk about like the job at the Spectrum, teaching, coaching baseball. You know, your resume is a little different than a lot. Of, but how much do you think that life experience is is key to not key, but a big reason for your success? Because maybe you look at things differently. You deal with things differently. Oh, no question about it. The one thing I always say is being an athletic director, <clears throat> what I learned as an athletic director was uh, tremendous as far as understanding how all of the other teams look at their teams. You know, the one thing is when you're a football coach and at the schools I was at, Delaware, football was huge. When I was in Martin County High School in Florida, football was huge. Widener football is huge. Westchester football is huge. So every place I've been, football has been a huge uh, impact on the school. But when you're an athletic director, you understand that field hockey is huge to the field hockey players. And soccer is huge to the soccer players. And you really get a feel for that. And that's made me look at things completely differently when I became an AD. I really understand how important everything is to the other sports. So as a football coach, I tried to go out of my way to either not necessarily to help the other sports, but just to understand what they're trying to go through. And maybe there is a way that we can make things a little bit better for them. So I don't always look for what's good just for football. I always try to look for what's good for our athletic department. And I think that kind of helps me with the rest of the staff and it helps me with um, a lot of the other athletes at, in our program. And it also has me look at football a little bit differently. You know, I don't – football is not the end all. It's not it, – you can't just have it, you know, dominate your life. You got to have – there's more to it. And I want my kids to understand that. You know, football is important to them, obviously, but there's so much more to life and they need to make sure they're involved in all those other things. And then, of course, like we mentioned with the, the Spectrum job, you know, that really is all management. It's all managing people. And then you learn, okay – you know, when you're coaching, it's managing your coaches and managing your players and how you say and what you say and making sure your point gets across to them. So all that kind of stuff did did um, have an impact on me for sure. We have to take a break here on One on One. We will have more with Westchester head football coach Bill Zwan right after this. Stick around. I'm Matt Leon, sports reporter and anchor here at KYW News Radio. Talking to athletes, coaches, people in Philly sports every day, you find out they have incredible stories to tell. So I started a podcast, a weekly conversation with someone you should know more about. It's called One on One with Matt Leon. Subscribe now wherever you listen. And we're back continuing our conversation with Westchester head football coach Bill Zwan here on One on One. During your time at Westchester, when I've covered you, you've had a few real transformative players come through the program. Yeah. I mean, Mike Washington's right at the top. When these kids come through and you're recruiting them, is it? Do you know right away, like, boy, have we got something special here? Sometimes I use Mike Washington as an example. So Mike played on a high school team that never threw the ball. So when we watched his high school film, you saw athleticism. 
but you didn't really see him make a lot of catches. So we knew we had a good athlete, but we really didn't have any idea what kind of receiver we had. And I remember he played in the Philadelphia All-Star game in his senior year, and it was on TV. And I got messages from people saying, wow, you guys got a great one here. Because they said on TV he was going to go to Westchester, and he made a couple of unbelievable catches. And I said, yeah, we do, but we didn't have any idea that he was going to be a great one. Then when he came, the first year of practice, he ran scout team. We registered him as a freshman, and we knew when, you know, he was just, this kid's going to be a star. And he became a great star for us. And we, he actually just went in the Hall of Fame uh, Saturday night. And so we had a lot of fun with him going into the Hall of Fame. But there were three people in the Hall of Fame then, Brandon Simmons, Mike Washington, and Latif Ferguson, who was another great player for us from the city. All three kids from Philly, and all three kids had tremendous careers. But we didn't really know for sure. Like Latif, we thought, okay, this kid's going to can be a good football player, but he was end up being the you know, most tackles in the school's history at linebacker. We didn't know that was going to happen, but you knew there was something special to him. And then in the same way, there's been guys who come through. Rondell Way is probably the one where in high school we said, okay, this kid's going to be really special. Uh and he was. That, you know, that's that's kind of one of those things. Sean McCartney, we we recruited him. It was great. Ended up being one of the best quarterbacks in the school's history. It was late. We weren't planning on taking him. He played for a really great Wood team, but they were really good at running the football. So he threw, but not a lot. And he played free safety on defense. So we looked at him more as a safety than a quarterback. And then we said, well, you know what? We, we need a quarterback to run scout team in the fall, so we'll have him run quarterback in the fall, and then we'll move him to, to safety in the spring. <laughs> then after, like, the third day, we said, no, nah, he's going to stay a quarterback. <laughs> let's just see. He's got such a great arm, and he really knows how to throw the football. Let's, let's figure out a way to keep him at quarterback, and then he ends up being one of the greatest quarterbacks in the school's history. So, Recruiting easier now or harder now than, say, 15, 20 years ago? The whole thing with – Recruiting, because of our name, because we've been successful, we have a ton of kids that are interested in us. What's really been the difference is the the scholarship numbers. Um, So in the past, when we were, we had a a decent amount of scholarship money uh, as far as the East was concerned. So in in the Peace Act, the East and the West are completely different as far as scholarship money is concerned. The West has some schools that have really a, a lot more scholarship money than the East. But when we were really just, you know, sitting there, us, Bloom, maybe ship, uh, the three of us with the same amount of money and battling for players, we, we could win on a lot of those uh, players. Now it, we have a little bit less money than, than the East, some of the Eastern schools have. And so we lose a player or two now just strictly on money. You know, we might – we offer them a couple thousand dollars less than somebody else offers them, and then it's just a money thing. And everybody understands that. It, you know, money's really important when you're paying for college. So it's a little bit harder now than it was maybe even just you know three or four years ago. But the fact that we have such a great tradition at Westchester from a football standpoint and from an academic standpoint really does sell to kids. So we always are going to have a lot of kids interested. And we can always um, you know steal a couple of kids who just want to come to Westchester. So it may be not for the most money, but this is the right place for them. So we do get a chance to steal some kids. What's your favorite part of coaching? Game day? Dealing with the kids. Is it practice still teaching the kids? What If you had to put something at the top, what would it be? I always say my favorite part is when you see those kids change. 
So you have those kids come in, you know, totally immature. <laughs> you know, people say, why are you putting up with this? Why are you, you know, and I, I say that. <laughs> I say, what am I doing? Why am I giving this kid another chance? And should I really give him another chance? And then when, when they come over on the other side, you know, where you gave them two and three chances and it paid off. It paid off not only for us from a football standpoint, but he graduates and he become, makes something of himself. And I can tell you many stories about kids who a lot of people probably would have given up on and we didn't. And they became something special. That's my favorite part. You know, so so that doesn't really happen in a day or on a, you know, that that happens over a period of time. But probably, I know when I retire, it'll be, I'll miss game day. I will definitely miss game day. More than practices. I'm not going to miss 6 o'clock in the morning weightlifting, that's for sure. Uh, and uh, and recruiting, you know, I, I, I know how important recruiting is, but, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I won't miss also but game day is probably you know where you really become alive again you know and even at my age I feel young on game day because you know it's really a exciting time and you're making tough decisions and, and important decisions and then of course when you win the game you see those faces on the kids I I talk about we won we beat Slippery Rock this year and won the PSAC championship for the first time since the you know early 70s we the the look on their faces was just pure joy, and I I will never forget that look. So that's that's probably what I what I will miss the most. How are losses? Do losses get easier to deal with or harder to deal with the more you're in the game? Nah, the losses never get easy <laughs> to deal with. I always say I remember the losses much more than I remember the wins, especially the tough losses. And I could tell you, you know, year after year, how we lost a game more than I will be able to tell you how we won a game. Um, uh, you know, one of the my assistant coaches has always described me as I hate losing more than I love winning, and I I think that's true. And I hate losing for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons is you feel like you let your players down when you lose. Um, you know, your job as a coach is to prepare them, to give them the best opportunity to win a football game. And if you lose a game, no matter how you lose it, if you lose it on the last play or if you lose it on a penalty or if you lose it, even if you lose it by three touchdowns, you feel like I didn't do my job. I didn't do my job well enough for them to win. So that's the part that, I, that always gets me with the losses is I always think about what I could have done better and – I let the kids down by not giving them the best opportunity to win. Um, so that's why I always do the extra, go the extra mile to make sure that we're putting them in the best position to win. Um, so the losses never get easy. <laughs> I would say they get harder now later in my career because now I want to win every game. I really do. I, you know, I, I talked about this to a, you know, it's, as you, Coach as many years as I have. Along the way, one of your main philosophies is to try to help kids out, try to make them better, try to watch them become men, uh, make them make good decisions. Um, so you really, you really spend a lot of time thinking about those types of things. 
as you get later in your career, you say, okay, I've, I've done that for a lot of kids. Winning would be a much be a lot more fun right now than losing. So, um, so I probably um, like the winning now a lot more than I used to. <laughs> Your son, Bill Zwan Jr., played quarterback for you and is an assistant for you. How I don't know if tough's the word. Was it a difficult line to toe, Dad? Coach, when he was playing quarterback, like you know, where does kind of one role end, and or are they do they become the same role? How did you handle that? It was difficult um, because of that because there is that line uh, where you are still his dad, so you want him to be successful and you want him to do well. But as a coach, you have to yell at him, you have to tell him his mistakes, and 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 he doesn't really want to hear those things. No, no player does, but in particular from his dad, you know, and so there's times for him that was hard to figure out where the line was, you know, was I being a dad or was I being a coach when I said that? And I could see that at times. Um, but the, the positive side of it way outweighed that. Like I always say, he had a game where he threw um, five touchdown passes early in his career. And, and I thought to myself, well, I, what if I had to hear that in a phone call? You know, so he calls me after the game and says, Dad, I threw for five touchdown passes today. I would have been so disappointed I didn't see it. But I was able to see that. So those, all of those positives are way outweighed any of the negatives that we had. Um, but there was a tough line across. There's, you know, you're certainly you have to pay attention to that. Um, and now even as a coach, there's times where I'm like, you know, Bill, you got to watch this. You got to pay attention to this. Where I'm trying to be more of a mentor than a dad. And then there's other times where I'm his dad, you know. So you still got to, we still have a little bit of, uh, you know, where that, where that line is that we just have to, you know, work our way through at times. But it's a lot easier now than it was when, it, when he was a player. We had a few couple, at least one Thanksgiving where nobody was talking to each other. <laughs> Mom, dad. You know, son, nobody talked to each other for at least one of the Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> your family kind of taking it back to where we started with the, the the big family and being close. You do guys do a wonderful thing, and I know you're a little hesitant to bring spotlight, but you at Christmas time, instead of giving gifts to each other, you provide for some of the homeless kids that go to Westchester because that's one of those problems. I don't think people realize. I think they think everybody that goes to college everything's fine and taken care of and it's not always the case. And that did that just kind of come together? You I read in one article where you guys had couldn't figure out what to get each other and <laughs> you just decided, "Hey, instead of we're in good shape, let's pay, kind of pay it forward." Yeah, and to be honest, I was one of those people who had no idea that we had homeless kids at Westchester. Um but one of one of our actually our academic uh, athletic academic person, Dr. Tammy James, was talking to me about it one day, and it just happened to be three days before we had the discussion about what we were going to do with Christmas that year. So we had decided, so over the years, we had done a lot of different crazy Pollyanna ideas, and they were fun, and it was, but then it got to a point where, okay, what are we, are we going to keep doing this type of thing? So, so one of my brothers said, listen, why don't we come together and everybody present an idea if you have an idea. So everybody presented a couple of different ideas, and like I said, this was three days after I found out we had homeless kids. So I mentioned it to my family. I said, listen, you know, we have some homeless kids. Maybe instead of, 
you know, buying each other presents, we could do something for the homeless kids. Well, everybody bought into that right away. It was, it was kind of an easy thing because it was like, okay, we're just going to push all of our money into this particular project and we'll just give it to the person who's kind of in charge of our homeless kids and she'll figure out what to do. So Tori Nucci, who's uh, works in our financial aid office, and she's in charge of those kids that are at the lowest end of the scale financially. So I talked to her about how we would do it. She told me the number of kids we had, and we said, fine, we'll buy, we'll do this amount of whatever. So we just started out with the idea that we'll get a bunch of gift cards for them. My sister threw in the idea of uh, an orange because my parents even, that's the one thing, like, 11 kids, not a whole lot of money in our house, but our Christmas was always great. You know, somehow my parents figured that out. But one of the things we all had in our stocking was an orange. Some people listening to this will know the tradition of that. But anyhow, we put an orange in everybody's stocking and they make cookies for them and just, just tried to make a nice experience for them. So the first year it was just us, just our family. And the kids were very excited about it. Um, so then the next year, I kind of opened it up to people on campus if anybody wanted to get involved in it, and a lot of people did. And then this past year, a ton of people got involved all around the community, um, at the school, Barnaby's, uh, you know, sports bar in town, did dinner for them the last couple years. It just has really exploded. And this year, I think each kid got close to 400 or $500 worth of gift certificates along with a bunch of other merchandise and, you know, a big Christmas dinner for them. Uh, so it's worked out really great, and so many people have gotten involved in it now, and it's really been – it's fun to watch. It's to watch how people – again, so I got up in a meeting and said, listen, we have homeless kids on campus. Well, everybody in the meeting was like, what are you talking about? We have homeless kids. And then I explained how that happens, and then people were like, well, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to help out. But people just don't know. And the nice thing that has happened, so last year, the Washington Post, I want to say, did a huge story on it. And, of course, that went viral. So now a lot of colleges across the country are contacting Westchester about the program they're doing for the homeless kids because we keep the dorms open in, uh, you know, in the summer and over breaks and everything so the kids have a place to go. So now that's kind of spreading throughout the country, which is kind of neat when you think about it that, you know, here we just started with this little thing, then it became a story, and now it's become something that everybody's paying attention to. So that's nice that that's happened that way. And final question, when you – the impact, do you take ever take a second to consider the impact you've had, let's specifically say, on the Westchester community? When you talk about stuff like that and, oh, by the way – one of the premier Division II football programs in the country. I mean, it kind of takes your breath away when you start looking at the big picture. Yeah, I'll probably think about that later. Um, what, I, what I really think about right now is the kids that are in our program right now and making sure they have the best experience they can have. You know, I just we just had a senior send-off thing last night for the seniors for all of our athletes. And you look at those where those kids are going and what their plans are and how they're going to do when they graduate. So I think about all those kids over the years that I've coached everywhere and where they've gone with their lives, and I just hope that everything has worked out well for them. In most cases, it has. 
So I, I really haven't really thought about the overall impact of it, but I probably will after I get done. Um, I'm proud of what I've done. Uh, I feel like uh, what's, I'll tell you what's funny. So my grandson, he, uh, he watches everything I do on TV. <laughs> so, so when I throw my hat, I threw my hat one time on the sidelines and he says to his mom, where's Pop-Pop's hat? Where's Pop-Pop's hat? And then I thought, okay, here he is. Here's my grandson, you know, looking at me. And I, I would just, that's what I'm hoping that my kids, my family is uh, proud of what I've done. And my grandkids are proud of what, I, what I've done. At some point in time, they look back and say, hey, I'm really proud of uh, my grandfather. And uh, so that, that kind of, I think, is probably uh, hitting me more now than anything else. Bill Zwan, head football coach, Westchester. Thanks so much for coming in. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, Matt. I did. And that will do it for this episode of One on One. One on One is a sports cast from KYW News Radio. If you like the show and you want to help us out, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any episodes. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on iTunes and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Thanks again to Westchester University head football coach Bill Zwan for joining us this week. You can find Coach online on Twitter at Coach Zwan. I'm Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.